Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I am Vincent Shen, your host, and it is Tuesday, August 9th, and joining me via Skype from Connecticut uh, this time around, right, Dan? <laughs> I believe it's the third state I've done this podcast from. Yes, and that's all within the past couple of weeks, too, not like over <laughs> a few months. So, how goes it, Dan? It's uh, it's crazy. This is actually the last thing I do in my house before uh, getting in the car and driving to West Palm Beach for, quote, a permanent move. Yeah, I have to say thanks again for joining us because uh, I know you have this and then, you know, a nice long, long, long drive ahead of you. I've done that drive before. Too. I'm uh, I'm pumped up on cold brew and uh, one of the other fools on our Slack board told me about caffeinated gum. So I think I I think I'm ready for the journey. <laughs> okay, so uh, you know, getting to our topics today for the listeners, we have some M&A or merger and acquisitions related topics on tap. Uh, but before we dive into that first story, Dan, and this is relevant, I promise the listeners, <laughs> it, I want to ask you this. What is your preferred streaming video service? Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, maybe Sling TV? Well, the funny thing is, so I use Netflix. I, I pay for all three. I have Hulu and I have Amazon Prime, but I'm one of those people that got Amazon Prime because I buy things from Amazon. Um, and I can't say I've used their video service at all. I got Hulu to watch the Mindy Project six months ago and still have never used it um, because I'm, I'm halfway through the second season of Daredevil. So I've traditionally been a big regular television, full cable subscriber. Uh, I'm actually, when we move, going to give uh, Sony's PlayStation View a try. I've also uh, I've tested Sling TV, and what I don't like about Sling TV is it's it's limited. It's a skinny bundle. It's a great price, but the Sony package for I don't know 49. It varies based on market. You get about a hundred channels, and it hits most of the things I would want. You know, I'm going to be losing out on some of the regional sports and other things I would have paid for on cable, but. When it comes to like the pure streaming, um, that seems a good bet. And Netflix, the originals, it just has so much more stuff than anybody else does. Yeah. So, all right, so you are a tr- still a traditional cable subscriber. I, I am until uh, tomorrow, technically. <laughs> so. Okay. Okay. So I, I wanted to ask this, and I find all this really interesting because with our first story, and here's the lead-in, is Time Warner is acquired. Uh, this news came out last week. Time Warner is taking over a minority stake in Hulu. Um, we're kind of seeing these worlds blend together, and you know, just the example that you gave with your own personal experience—you know, you were a traditional cable subscriber, but you had these other other streaming services—and all this is kind of coming together for your personal experience and personal consumption of all this content too. But uh, Time Warner—we've covered from several different angles over the past few episodes. Uh, they announced last week taking that 10% ownership position in Hulu. For a price of about five hundred, I think it was eighty million dollars. So yeah, that value is five fifty, five eighty, somewhere. So there. Hulu valuation coming in at about six billion dollars. Uh, for anyone who isn't familiar with Hulu, some, just some quick backstory: uh, the service started in two thousand eight. It's a joint venture started by some media and entertainment heavy hitters. So think Walt Disney, Twenty First Century Fox, uh, Comcast, NBC Universal, and now of course Time Warner. So at the moment. Hulu has three offerings, but even that will be changing. We can touch on that later. It has basically a free streaming option where you get to watch a full slate of ads with that. You have a $7.99 per month subscription option with limited ads. And then if you want to pay full price, it's $11.99 completely ad-free. And the thing is, uh, the key development with this Time Warner buy-in, it seems to me at least, is the live streaming service that Hulu plans to offer in 2017. So, Dan, you know, how are these two companies, you know, the joint venture owners, thinking about this deal, the new service? 
Well, so it's important to note that Time Warner is buying in only for the live streaming service. Yes. You know, they are not like Time Warner has a big issue with the way Hulu operates now, which is they make current episodes of recent shows from its partners, not all shows because of ownership on the individual shows, but most Fox shows, most ABC shows, uh, most NBC shows, you get 24 hours after a show airs, you can watch it, and the last three or four episodes, maybe four or five in some cases, on the $7.99 service, and in some cases on the free service. Time Warner thinks that's undervaluing its programming, especially because the numbers are not big enough that it's a, a major advertising source. So Time Warner will not be contributing to that part of the service. But what they're paying for is distribution. They see the amount of homes that have cable slowly getting smaller. It's a, you know, cable is dying, but it's going to take a long time at the current pace. So what you have happening is they're paying this money. So five years from now, when these types of services, Sling and PlayStation View and the various cable networks, uh, the uh, cable services not offering boxes but actually having pure digital i think what you're going to see is by owning a piece of this they guarantee themselves a place at the table they're not going to have the contentious negotiations they have with the satellite providers or with sling or you know with comcast every time rights to tbs and tnt and cnn come up so this is really just buying them access to homes as the cable world changes yep so Hulu next year, uh, to, just to clarify what exactly they're going to be offering and, and Time Warner is buying into is a live streaming service that will actually include live television, which is a little bit different from what uh, it currently does, which is you it, know it's more similar to Netflix. Yeah, it's basically they're copying Sling, mm -hmm. except because some of their partners are networks, Sling does not have any traditional broadcast networks. It's it's sort of the most popular cable channels for younger people. So what's, what's happening here with Hulu is they're going to have some of the Fox, NBC, ABC programming. So, you know, maybe my mom can get it and she'll still get the nightly news. I don't think my mom watches the nightly news, but like if her mom was still alive, she would watch the nightly news and maybe would have to get this type of product. Yep. So there's not as many details uh, as I was hoping there would be otherwise for the Hulu service that's coming out next year. But I f think it's helpful uh, for listeners just to give some uh, context in terms of you know how far Hulu has come since it started back in 2008. Um, it has compared just uh, for some basic context. Netflix, you know, the leader here. Has about forty or over forty million domestic subscribers. They generated about six point eight billion dollars of revenue in twenty fifteen. The most recent numbers I could find for Hulu, for example, over ten million subscribers, so a smaller base for sure. Generated revenue of one billion uh, in twenty thirteen, but that grew pretty quickly to about one point six or one point seven billion dollars last year. And the thing is, both of these companies, and this includes Amazon too. You know, all these uh, streaming services fighting for content, they've been spending a lot of money for uh, not only their original programming that all three have become known for, but also five to six so five to six billion dollars spent at Netflix, uh, by Netflix in 2016 expected. And then the most recent number I could find for Hulu was about $1.5 billion in 2015. <laughs> and a lot of that's going to Seinfeld. So. Yeah, so I think it was like $700,000 or a $1 million yeah, per episode for that. Yeah, and I think that's the differentiator between the two. Netflix is a service aimed at you know people in their 20s and 30s who maybe never had cable. Whereas Hulu, the content is really the stuff you would watch if you had a cable subscription 
a couple days later or 24 hours later, plus a few originals that feel like network shows. It's not groundbreaking in the way that Netflix is. It's sort of a familiar angle. It's, it's, it's when an older generation says, you know what, I'm not paying $150 to Comcast anymore, but I still want to watch uh, Law & Order. You know, so Hulu is is trying to keep that model, and the challenge is not pushing cable subscribers away. That's the last thing Comcast would want, but also keeping as many of them that are we're going to leave anyway on the one that they own. So you know, you'll do better as Time Warner being a partner in Hulu than licensing your content to to Dish or to Sony or to you know the twenty other services like this that are going to start in the next few months. Yep. And there's an interesting dynamic here because, uh, as we mentioned, the joint venture owners, you know, Hulu for Hulu are the really big companies like Disney. You mentioned Comcast, NBC Universal, and there's just this news just came out yesterday, actually, where I mentioned that first service is free to access Hulu content, but or some of the Hulu library, but it's supported by ads. They're actually getting rid of that entirely. Well, the interesting thing is they're actually just moving it to Yahoo. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, so they announced a partnership deal. So they're they're unconfusing the Hulu brand. So basically, Hulu is going to have two products. It's going to have a subscription product where you get access to next day content from the original partners and not Time Warner. And then it's going to have a live streaming television service. Having the free product on top of it, which inflated their viewer numbers by another, like, I don't know, 40 million, but didn't really make them a lot of money because it's very difficult to sell ads on three people watching a Seinfeld from, you know, 15 years ago and 17 people watching Family Guy. Like, you know, it, it becomes a very tough model to prove to advertisers that there's value. So they're sort of just shunting that off and taking it off the Hulu brand, which makes sense. It'll make it a lot easier for them to sell, you know, really their two services that make sense. Okay, so stepping back now uh, and looking at this in terms of some of the changes that are obviously happening to the industry, uh, big picture, what, kind, what do you think... Uh, is is gonna be you know happening maybe next year or with these developments as kind of deals like this between Time Warner Hulu and Hulu service coming out next year? What do you think that's gonna mean? I think it's the Wild West. I mean, I think you're gonna see every major cable company start a service that doesn't require a cable box in order to keep broadband customers. And what's gonna happen is you're gonna have two or three years where there's 15 choices, and then you'll see consolidation again. You know, there's there's no need for there to be Sling and View and whatever they call Super Hulu, um, you know. And if Amazon enters that space, if Apple enters that space, a lot of players are going to come here. And eventually, you're going to see it's just going to be like cable, where it doesn't really matter if you have Frontier or you have Comcast. Pretty much, you're getting the same offer. So maybe it becomes price and customer service. But there's going to be a lot of announcements and a lot of new companies uh, or existing companies going into this space because the cable box is slowly going away. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. So I want to move on to our second segment now, which is related, at least in the aspect that this is another industry that's kind of going through a lot of transition, some growing pains, and has had, uh, I guess, quite a bit of disruptive innovation, if people like to, to use that term. And that's retail. So, this week, it was confirmed that Walmart is pivoting its e-commerce strategy, once again, by acquiring Jet.com for $3.3 billion. So, let me stop right there and provide background again for Jet. 
uh, because this is one where in my, uh, I guess, unscientific sampling of friends and fellow uh, fools, not everyone's really familiar with this company, frankly. And it makes sense considering how young it is. You know, It's only just over a year old at this point, and it's been scooped up for a pretty hefty price tag. I think one of the biggest e-commerce startup price tags in history. And a crazy multiple on sales. I mean, they do about a billion dollars in sales, and they sold for three point three billion. Um, you don't see money losing companies get that kind of deal very often. Yep, and that billion dollars is gross merchandise volume. Everything you know, basically the value of everything they sell on the site. But their revenue is actually just a piece of that too. So it's right. even crazier than and, that. And so to finish what you were saying, Jet.com was built as a wall as an Amazon competitor. Yes. Uh, and what Walmart is buying is Partly their their CEO, a guy named Mark Lohr, who also started uh, the company that owned diapers.com, which Amazon bought. Um, But Jet.com used sort of a different method than what Amazon does. As a customer on Jet, you would build your order. And the more things you bought, the cheaper your price would get because it would be cheaper for them to deliver it to you. Now, it's worth noting that Amazon does that after a fashion with add-on items. I think even Target and Walmart do it a little bit. Um, but the idea is to get you to go on and not just impulsively buy something, but to really do your shopping and build up your orders. And it's a it's a fledgling company, but they have been adding. I think the number is four hundred thousand shoppers a month. Yes, so that's the number. Yep. You know, it's growing, but this has to be the biggest gap. Walmart is number two when it comes to online retailers, but I believe the number is about a hundred billion for Amazon and about thirteen billion for Walmart. So this is. Coke and Pepsi, except Pepsi is Royal Crown Soda. You know, it's 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 a very small player in the space comparatively. Yeah. And I really, I think this is an interesting deal, and we can get to you know, another, um, I guess in more detail what Walmart is getting here in with this acquisition. But I think the CEO or and the uh, co-founder of Jet.com, Mark Lore, who you mentioned, he's a big part of the story. He's going to be joining Walmart. Uh, following the acquisition, he's going to lead Walmart's e-commerce efforts going f- uh, forward, and Jet.com and Walmart.com will still operate separately at that. <laughs> well, we, we joked about this before, but one, I think Walmart's lighting money on fire here. I don't think there's anything that they couldn't have duplicated in six months for you know half a billion dollars. So they're spending a huge amount of money to get a guy. You know, and I get it. Mark Lore has been successful. He's been one of the few that has, you know, been able to compete with Amazon. But I don't see what Walmart's buying. You know, and I look at it and say, 18 months from now, there's going to be the inevitable press conference where uh, where Mark Lore stands up and say and says, "Yeah, we've decided to uh, eliminate the Jet.com brand and just focus on our core brand of Walmart.com." But of course, we're going to be integrating the technology. You know, it, it doesn't seem like these deals ever end up with one company operating two distinct products in the same space. Yeah. And it's really, I love the fact that if you see Amazon as the arch rival to Walmart, it's funny because Lore, you mentioned the, you know, the company that he started previously, Quidsy, which owned a portfolio of stores like diapers.com, soap.com. That got bought out by Amazon for about $550 million in 2010. So he, Laura was actually at Amazon for two years, then he left, kicked off jet.com, and now, lo and behold, he's going to be end up at Walmart. I mean, he's really good at raising money, but he hasn't shown that he's really good at building sales. That's what troubles me about this. Yeah, so uh, to touch on that specifically, uh, from what I could find, jet.com has raised about $800 million 
uh, through you know various rounds of funding and financing from a lot of uh, actually investors you know from his previous ventures he obviously has a strong track record and something just to keep in mind is the fact that they have their smart cart where you know the more you buy the cheaper it can be for shoppers and i think there have been quite a few um, Analyses and studies from some industry followers and from shoppers themselves that have found that you know some of Jet, a lot of Jet.com's prices are competitive and better than Amazon, which is usually seen as the price leader. And that's what, you know that was the strategy that Bezos used to claim so much market share and to develop such a leadership position. And you know the basically it comes down to really the fulfillment and the logistics. And the way they tie the shipping and how much you buy, and you know, you take Walmart and they have this huge network of stores and warehouses, and you know, they can basically take that technology and leverage it, you know, to Walmart's scale. The challenge for Walmart has always been that fulfilling what a store needs versus an individual order is a massive change. Yeah, this probably speeds that up, but there's going to be huge growing pains, and I don't see how they're buying enough customers to have this make sense. I mean, if they had paid Mark Lore's investors back, you know, at a 25% premium and then given him a huge deal to come in and run their digital, this would have made sense. But they're buying a brand most people haven't heard of. And the second people realize that Jet.com is a Walmart brand, it loses some of its cachet. And I think it's fair to say there is a Target and Amazon customer that looks at Walmart and goes, ugh, and I don't want anything to do with Walmart. Um, and I think that's going to taint this sort of hip millennial brand. You know, it's very hard to stay cool when you're associated with Walmart. Yeah, and that's that's a very good point because I think previously with Lore's uh, older venture with Quidsy, for example, I think a, a really loyal shopper following that he had was among uh, younger urban shoppers, and and then with Jet.com, they're spending all I think like twenty twenty five million dollars a month advertising, and a lot of that's targeting. Not only millennials, but uh, they're trying to basically generate more repeat shoppers. I think I had some data from Slice and BI Intelligence dating back to February that indicated, um, you know, Jet.com was having a hard time generating repeat business. Over two thirds of their sales were coming from new customers. Um, you know, you mentioned the four hundred thousand people uh, signing up or essentially shopping with them with each month. Uh, so it's just interesting to kind of see that dynamic there. Right, and the problem they come up against is Amazon has, and I I don't know the recent number, but it's roughly two hundred twenty five million uh, credit cards on file, and you know, however many sixty three something like that million Prime members, they don't share the number, so it's always a guess. They've made the process so easy that I buy an Amazon from my phone. I can buy things verbally from my Echo. You know, why would I go as an Amazon customer? Why would I switch? Because you know, diapers are two cents less. I don't need diapers, but you know <laughs> that you know any device I was going to buy anything. If Amazon's within the ballpark, I'm not going to shop around. So yeah, maybe I'll jump on Jet.com and buy a TV because it's $100 cheaper, but I'm probably not going to switch. And that's a very, very difficult behavior for any new company to win over. And I would think that an awful lot of Amazon customers just find it a little bit cooler to buy from Amazon than to buy from Walmart. And you know they can be number two if they're trying to be number two. They can be a bigger number two, but you know this is like me challenging for the heavyweight championship. It's not going to work out well. Yeah. So, but you know, with all that in mind, and I do, I'm a little skeptical 
uh, as you are uh, just based on the price tag. You know, three hundred million dollars in cash, thirty million dollars in Walmart stock, and I think a lot of that is going to be dedicated to basically incentives for management. Or, uh, so three hundred million dollars. Sorry about that. But in stock, yeah, in three billion, and three billion in cash. Exactly. So. And for Walmart, you know, their e-commerce efforts. Uh, they were pretty in their fiscal year uh, 2015. They were seeing some pretty strong progress. Uh, you know, year over year quarterly growth was you know anywhere from 21 to 27 percent. And then uh, the following year, so last year in their fiscal 2016, it kind of started to fall from the high teens to below 10 percent. And then the most recent quarter, it was it came in at just seven percent globally, and so that deceleration definitely has people concerned because you know it's not even it's lagging even the the broad economy where e-commerce is I think is still growing at double digit rates every quarter. I mean, they need to catch up to Amazon in terms of fulfillment. And you know, if you buy anything from Amazon, it is going to show up on in two days, including on Sunday. Walmart doesn't even promise that. I think they'll sell it to you for an extra price, but. The days when you place an order and it takes three to five shipping days, Amazon has created a new standard and people have proven willing. You know, I'll buy batteries from Amazon because I could wait 48 hours with my remote control not working. I'm not going to wait a week. So, you know, that's really where Walmart has to catch up and Jet can help with that. You know, this will make the Walmart customer have a better experience on Walmart.com and on Jet.com after six months, a year of integration. But I don't see it winning over new business. This may help them as they lose sales in the store to their own website, fulfill and keep those customers happy. And that is an important step. Okay. And something else uh, that I wanted to mention too, is I'm curious to see how they blend, uh, you know, how it really impacts Walmart. Because I know they, I think it's called their shipping pass, where you basically pay a flat fee for the year and you get two-day shipping to be, and this is really just very similar to Prime, like to be more competitive with Amazon with those really incredible fulfillment speeds and how they kind of blend that with the fact that Jet.com has some of this infrastructure, some of these, some of this technology in terms of optimizing and making as cheap as possible for their shoppers and their smart cart and everything. So, that's why I say it ultimately has to be one brand. Yep. Whether the, I mean, it seems crazy to me that you would make Jet.com the online version of Walmart, so that's not going to happen. But eventually, this will become a Walmart.com powered by Jet, and then Jet will be down in the corner, and then Jet won't exist anymore. And hopefully, they can integrate the technology because they do. They have to get faster. And Walmart has an incredible network. You know, Amazon has its warehouses, but Walmart has a store in most of the country, something like, you know, every five miles. So their ability to ship to stores, to ship to you from a store, if they can figure that out, and obviously there's a lot of, you know, programming and algorithms, and, you know, we've talked before about how Amazon knows what you're going to buy in a local warehouse before you order it. If Walmart can figure that out and Jet helps them, well, then maybe they bridge some of that shipping divide, and that will at least stop them from bleeding customers just because Amazon can get things faster. Yep. And I have to say, I have to, I, I just have to admit that I'm a little curious too to see, you know, you have this small upstart company, you know, just hitting about a billion dollars in their gross merchandise volume in, in their first, uh, you know, I th- they launched J- July 2015. So just about a year of existence has Amazon kind of, uh, you know, paying attention at the very least. Walmart jumps in, huge resources. I'm really curious to see where things go, even if you know the price tag may be a little high and maybe hopes are a little too high. But overall, definitely an interesting deal. It's definitely possible that this gets Walmart back on the growth path. 
you know, and you know, from ramping down to ramping up. But I, I think Amazon is watching this and laughing. You know, this this is not a competitor. The, you know, this is my little league team challenging the Red Sox. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's not going to do that. But they can become a better number two. And the other thing they can do is crowd out some of the other players. I mean. If I'm Amazon, I'm not worried. If I'm Target, I'm a little bit nervous. If I'm Kohl's, maybe I'm nervous. You know, so this is sort of Walmart saying, "Yep, we're in second place. Let's consolidate." And almost any price is worth it to do that. Yep. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Dan, uh, for your input here, and good luck with your drive. For today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So that is all from us today. You can continue the conversation via Twitter at MF Industry Focus or send us any questions or comments via email industryfocus at fool.com. And of course, we have our other great podcast from The Molly Fool uh, that you can check out at fool.com slash podcast. People in the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy, sell, or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Fool on.